Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Julie Love. I'm your host. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today we are recording episode 128. I am very grateful to have wonderful guests. And before I introduce my guests, I want to introduce my book, which is the same title as this podcast, A Gift from Adversity. A Gift from Adversity is available on Amazon, A Gift from Adversity by Juri, J-U-R-I, Love. The subtitle of this book is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, Bullying, and Homelessness. So please check it out. So let's invite uh, tonight's guest. Uh, But before I start, I just want to truly appreciate you listening and all the guests who came to share their stories. And I wanted to create this platform after I published my book to create a safe space that people can talk about adversities. But not only that, to share the tools that they use to overcome and a gift that came from it. So let's invite our guest. Hi, Jason. Thank you very much for coming in today. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Jason, tell us your name, what you do, where you're coming in from, and if you have any social media, anything that you want to promote. Yeah, I'm Jason Coffee Man. I'm also a podcast host, which is Saturday Java with Jason. When you search for it, it's all one word. Again, Saturday Java with Jason. I'm on Facebook as Jason Coffee Man. I'm also on Instagram. And I have a Facebook group. They're both Saturday Java with Jason, and they're all no spaces again. So I would like to thank Jerry for having me on. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So, Jason, let's dive into our first question, which is the adversity. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? I've been alienated from my kids pretty much since they were born. Last time I've seen them was 2013. My son was born in 06 and my daughter was born in 08. And I really haven't had any opportunity to really be a father. Can you tell us more about it? Sure. My son was born in 2006. We were recently together and things happened. She was living with her parents and she got pregnant. And I was treated like a child, even though I wasn't. I wasn't allowed over there uh, when they were not home. So she lived with her parents. And her mother's like, no, I don't want you in the house when they're not, when we're not there. And when they were home, they kind of kept my kids from me. So it was always them, never me. So my son really never had time to bond with me. About two years later, my daughter was born. And I'm like, okay, working hard, getting myself going here and try to get a place. Her mother said, I would not allow you guys to move out. 
it's not a good idea. Come to find out is because they would be missing the opportunity to bond with them. And I never really had the opportunity. I would go on the weekends and get the kids and the kids would call me Jason, never dad. I would have them for the weekend, pick them up the next day, call me Jason again. So by the time I had them all day, they'd be calling me dad by the time I dropped them off. And my family was never referred to as titles, never grandma, grandpa, never dad. We were always called by first names. However, their family was always called by titles, dad, grandma, grandpa, stuff like that. So come 2013, I had enough of this. I broke up with her and I haven't seen my kids since. I've been fighting in court and finally just got resolved. Uh, and it kind of takes a wind out of your soul, out of your sails because, you know, I don't want to be considered deadbeat, but when you are kind of pushed aside and you have her new boyfriend and both of her parents and her against you, it's an uphill battle. I had a lawyer with me. We've been fighting since 2017-ish, trying to get it resolved. We finally got it resolved, but it's still the whole time of fighting. It was an uphill battle. I've been paying child support weekly. Still not seeing the kids because everybody thinks, oh, you're paying child support, you can see the kids. That's not how it works. You stop paying when either they hit 18 or something else happens. So, I mean, right now, I've been paying for years, never seen them. And we tried to get visitation. And uh, she said it's in the best interest of the kids not to see you because they don't like you. I haven't seen them since 2013. They were young then. They wouldn't have any, any real memories of me. I asked, well, why do they not like me? Oh, well, that's your, their decisions. So in other words, I believe it's manipulation. Jason, thank you so much for sharing the story. It is um, always is um, very hard. I have um, live audience on Instagram. Um, my friend said the system is stupid and broken. It's been broken for years. I can go on about how bad the system is broken. Um, but it's not going to be fixed because there is no reason to fix it. I don't want to get into too much of a story, but it's kind of manipulated where if you're paying child support, 
and finances with the other person doesn't change. But yet the person without the kids gets a raise. The person with the kids get more money, even if the finances never changed. And I believe that's wrong. I believe that if you have a parent out there that's 60-40, the person that has it 60% of the time gets a child support. And even though they're with them 40% of the time, they still got to pay. So the whole system is broken, but nobody's willing to bring it to the level where they have to for things to change. I believe that a lot of things are broken, but lawmakers and judges, lawyers, a lot of them really don't know where to start because the system has been broken for so long. Well, thank you so much for coming in to talk about this. A lot of times I hear from the female side, but I don't really hear from the male side. And because I think there are a lot of stigma about being a male, being um, manly, um, that maybe you shouldn't talk about these things. And then um, you should be okay as a man. You shouldn't like whine those kind of things. I don't know if that gender gap um, against the men in the way the court system is designed to of favoritism to female. Um, I don't know, but obviously there are cases where men has so much power over women and you know, there's something that needs to be protected. So I also think sometimes it depends on the judge of the day. And I've seen a lot of cases as a journalist too. And then I've seen my own personal things that sometimes some judges are super easy to deal with. And sometimes some judges are not so easy to deal with. And I think it sometimes if the judge is male or female, sometimes that plays a role. So I'm not sure in your state, it's the same. Um, I have no idea. And um, I grew up in Japan and then I never had to go to court, but um, for several times with my business and then different things that I had to go to court. And then I've seen that kind of court system, kangaroo court system, and then kind of protection. And then, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. One thing that gets me is, you know, a lot of things, like you said, a lot of times the guys don't want to come out and say things, but I'm going to say something right now. And a lot of people out there, a lot of females are probably going to get mad at me for saying it, but I believe it, believe it must be said. And one of those things is, is no matter how hard the guy works, no matter what he does, women get paid to leave. Because women know that they will get the child support. They will get the food stamps. They will get discounted housing. So there's a benefit 
that we have to look at, that we have to deal with as a guy. Because a woman can leave, take the kids, and she uses a saying, these are my kids. I gave birth to them. So now the mother gets her stuff, moves out. Now the guy has to not just pay for that house that is on the lease with both of them mainly, but she moves out. She can break that lease. She then gets child support, food stamps, discounted housing, all this other stuff. So us men have to work 10 times as hard to show that woman, look, this is what I offered you. But it's an incentive for her to leave. That's how a lot of men look at it because us men have to try our damnness to get going and that woman can just up and leave and she gets everything handed to her plus child support. And if the guy doesn't pay, he goes to jail. So what as a guy, it's hard because that's always in the back of our mind. Are you just going to up and leave? I think um, I've lived in America long enough and half my life I lived in Japan. And I just want to talk a little bit about Japan where we have a word called danson johi, which means men respected, women disrespected. So I've never seen men host the door. I've never seen men carry groceries. I've never seen my father or grandfather stand up for refill of the rice. So it's completely different culture. So when I came here, I was very shocked. The men were holding the door. In fact, my first husband and I got married and had a wedding in Japan. My mom would not go when my father-in-law asked her to go before him on the elevator. She wouldn't move. So what I'm saying is the training of culture in America, women are always um, lady first, obviously. Uh, that's the word. But in a way that I have a son and maybe he does the same thing at school, but he doesn't, he gets in trouble, but the girls don't get in trouble. And then sometimes that lady first and girl first, you cannot hit a girl. You can hit a boy maybe, I don't know. But in Japan, it's completely opposite. It's okay to you know, do some bad things to a woman and men can get away with it. So I feel like if you were in Japan, maybe you are favored a lot more in the court system as well than women. And that really happened to my mother when I was growing up. So I never got to see my mom. And my dad was abusive. However, no intervention was there. So it's very interesting to learn about how American court system works. And then my question, Jason, is 
how it how is it affecting you since your kids were born but you felt manipulated and all the child support and then you know pressure but not being able to see the kids and have the relationship that you you had hoped like how is it affecting you as a human being well to put it bluntly it sucks because i know nothing about them i can't tell you favorite colors what their favorite things are what their hobbies are um how they're doing in school i know nothing um and if i try to find anything out i'm shunned i know that if i do go down there knock on the door i'm going to be arrested even though i don't have a restraining order or nothing against me she told the judge right in the court that i'm not stopping she's not stopping me from going down there but on the other hand she told the mediator she doesn't that the kids don't want nothing to do with me so it's kind of contradicting that's what she does it's she's very what we call in the united states america wishy-washy if you don't know what that is it's kind of saying one thing and saying another right after oh i don't care and then oh he can and this and that um and so knowing my kids are growing up without me seeing somebody else raising them when i know i did nothing wrong and knowing that their grandfather and their grandmother and their mother and her new boyfriend are raising them and i know nothing i'm not allowed to know nothing i'm just a sperm donor i guess you can say so i mean here i am i was doing everything i was supposed to do and nothing was ever good enough and it still isn't I have a friend saying uh, she turned the kids against him, SMH. Yeah, she did. And I know a lot of guys don't talk about this, which we have to get them out there. Because there's men out there and women that are going through this. And it's not just hurting that person. It's hurting the kids. That's what people don't realize is you're putting the kids in the middle. The kids don't like me, but they haven't seen me since 2013. So my daughter was seven. So right now, and you can't even give me a reason why they don't like me. So you put the kids against me. I want to know how that makes her her feel but I know how it makes me feel yeah my friend um, another comment is the kids will know the truth when they get older maybe 
depends on how manipulated and brainwashed they are now. It's very interesting because I assume you don't have a restraining order against or you had no violence record towards children. But I have a clean I have a clean record. I never been arrested. Every drug test I took, I passed. I don't even have any parking tickets. I have a clean record. I'm lost of words and it is just um very heartbreaking to hear your story and then hear your side of the story and you know what kind of things that maybe your kids had missed if you were at least in the communication that maybe you have been to their baseball game swimming um school concerts basketball like i don't know boy scout cub scout i don't know but um to me i didn't have a healthy relationship growing up um my dad like my book said sexually physically verbally abused me and i left him when i was 13 so i never had this kind of relationship but in your case, it's a little bit different because you were never given a chance. And then sounds like you're manipulated and then kids are getting manipulated as well. You never got a fair shot, but in a way that I don't understand how court cannot cite you when you don't have any criminal record or anything that's preventing you to see the kids and I don't know how the court system works either when the mother say kids don't want to see you and then when it's not 100% true when they were not even given a chance to have sort of baseline of even relationship or communication with you it would be better if they could facilitate the hey at least give him a chance and have a set of time that he deserves to interact with children and there it goes instead of a mother saying unless you have restraining order that hey they don't want to see him you know what i mean i don't understand well, what it was, too, is I'm going to go back a little bit, too. I remember one time carving pumpkins. I was down there, and it was just the mother, me, my two kids. Her, the the maternal grandparents came in, or the, grand, the grandmother came in, and said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm spending time with my kids. We're carving pumpkins for uh, Halloween. She runs in her in her bedroom, slams the door. Like, this is how you are, act when I'm there 
around my kids. You, so you're putting off negative vibes when I'm there around my kids. Uh, and I'm like, why, you know, when I'm there, they call me by my first name. I'm like, why don't you call me by dad? So the kids do that. Her maternal grandmother goes, I'm not going to call you dad. You're not my dad. We give them parties. Oh, say goodbye to Jason. And he, they would call my grandma, my, my mother by her first name instead of grandma. So the kids don't know that we're equal to, you know, that both of the grandparents are equal. No, you, her grandparents, you know, their grandparents are on a higher, higher pedestal than mine. We're, we're the same parents, grandparents. So the kids are put against me all the time. So when I broke up with her, it was kind of along the lines of, well, you broke up with me, now you lose the kids. One of my friends asking, why isn't he allowed to have visitation rights? We were going to. We were going in for visitation rights, custody, all that by the court. We were going into mediation. We were supposed to go into counseling. She said we had that agreement in front of the mediator. As soon as she went home with her parents, I got a text saying that that's not going to happen. It's in the best interest of the kids that we don't. I spoke to the kids and they don't want to which is kind of funny because right in front of mediation, she says she's going to go in and get it done. Those kids are minors. She should have said to those kids, you're going to, you guys are minors. Those kids should have been brought right in. She said, I'm not going to make those kids cry and get and do things they don't want to do. So it was her choice not to do it because those kids are minors. I never had a choice like that when I was a minor. I had to do what my parents wanted to do. Well, thank you so much for answering that. So, Jason, how are you doing? Um, I know you said it sucks, but how are you holding up? Day by day. Uh, you know, it's not easy when you see people out there with their kids it kind of like, what did I do? I know I didn't do nothing, but you have that in the back of your mind, in your heart, saying, well, could I have done something different? What if I didn't break up with her? What if I stayed together? What if, what if, what if, you know? I mean, day by day, minute by minute, I mean, my father died before he even knew the kids. He never even had a chance to bond with the kids. They were never at his funeral. I got married. My kids weren't even at my wedding. The kids didn't even know I got married. So, I mean, you know, he could have been a ring bearer or, or you know, a ring bearer. Like, she could have been a flower girl or even a bridesmaid, whatever. And... You know, they don't even know nothing about me. 
So on my biggest day, they weren't even there. So now you're married to somebody else, but you don't have kids with that person. Right. So prior to the relationship that you had with the um, kid's mom, did you have any adversities or it was the main adversity that you had you had to experience in your life? Besides death, people close to me dying, that was the biggest thing I had to deal with other than, you know, at that time, what kids deal with, young people deal with, you know, the loss of a job and this and that. I lost a family member. And then my son was born in 2006. And that was an enjoyment for me. And well, I wasn't even allowed. I was told I couldn't even spend the night with her. My son died. I mean, my, my son was born, excuse me. The day my son was born, I was kicked out of the, they were trying to kick me out of the hospital because I didn't need to be there on the night my son was born. They tried to get me removed from the hospital because she needed rest. I'm like, I'm going to try to help her as much as I can. My son was just born and stuff like that. The grandmother said, oh, you don't need to be here. You can just go home. I'm so sorry. Do you mind to talk about your hearing? Um, you mentioned you have um, some deaf or... I'm hard of hearing. I have two hearing aids. That's why I might talk a little bit differently. Um, I am hard of hearing. I have hearing loss 60-40, so 60% in one ear, 40% in the other. I do wear hearing aids. That's another thing. But, you know, I want to talk to whoever's out there that has hearing loss or any kind of disability. I don't call it a disability because I look at it as that it's a plus. It's something that makes me who I am. I mean, I have hearing aids right now, and I have not heard birds chirp in years. I hear animals outside, and I don't know what it is because I haven't heard animals in a long time. So if you have any kind of disability, own it. Be like, hey, it's not a disability. It's an ability. It's who may, who. I am and who, what makes me who I am. Thank you so much for sharing, saying that. Were you born with that condition or it was, it happened after you? Um, I'm not sure because I know I have hobbies that are loud. So I'm not sure if I was born with it and it's just gotten worse or if my hobbies contributed to it. But it's been getting worse since I was like 16. What's your hobby? Oh, from shooting guns to working with tools to going to the races. I do pretty much everything that I'm not supposed to do with, that causes hearing loss. And I hardly ever wore ear protection. 
I'm sorry to hear that. No problem. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for sharing um, your challenges and adversities. And I, I'm kind of at worst in questions because as a mom, um, I can't imagine not being able to see my children because of somebody is manipulating that I am not a good mom and not being able to see the growth, but then I have to pay only. And then I was never, I would be never addressed as mom. And when people kind of gang up on you and then I think depict the picture of you as a monster or somebody that kids supposed to not see when there's actually no actual like assault or evidence that you had presented, I think that's when you question about these court systems and gender gaps and then like why are you not protected? And then why would the other party be more protected? And I think sometimes not just the court, but then a lot of times men, sometimes especially minority men, had to ridiculously fight just to be treated like a human being for like maybe 20, 30, 100 times more. And you seem um, just by a look, white Caucasian men, but then um, when, it's, when it comes to biracial or minority, that pressure and biases are like 10, 20 times heavier. One thing gets me is I believe that um, without looking at race, without looking at anything like that, just between men and women, women know how to play the system. If they don't get their way, they can cry. They can show their anger. They can use their anger as a, as a tactic to get what they want. So they can use their tears to get what they want. Men, they show anger. They show tears. It's a sign of weakness. It's a negative in their column. So that is why women know how to play. A lot of women can get what they want a lot easier than what men can. So all you have to do is is say, oh, these are my kids. I want the best for them. They're my kids. And then, oh, well, look at her. She's a good mother. Well, let's see what happens when the father takes the kids and runs with the kids. He's going to get arrested for kidnapping. He's going to get thrown in jail. So why is it a mother can take the kids, keep the kids from the father? Nothing happens to her. 
The father does that. He gets arrested for kidnapping. That's not fair. Takes two to have a kid, not just one. It's not my kid. It's not your kid. It's both of yours. As a woman, um, as an Asian female woman, one thing I need to say to you is that sometimes I was profiled in a very unfortunate way when I was a little bit rattled, for instance, like, you know, I was going through a hard time that I think white women can get away with it. But as an Asian female, I can't get away with it, that people think I am dumb. I am monster parents, abusive, or maybe I am not capable, where I think a lot of white women can get away with it. Mm -hmm. So I just want to add some aspects. When mm -hmm. you women, I would say that goes to more so majority side of it than majority right. side of it. Because when the black woman does that, or Asian woman like myself does that, sometimes it doesn't work, Jason. Yeah, I'm not trying to pick sides. I mean, like even you said, when you were younger, your culture is different. Here, you can look at anything. Go on TikTok, go on YouTube. When a guy goes on a date with a woman, he has to pay for that date. He has to. It's kind of like... So... We have to hold the door. We have to pay for the date. We have all these things to do. And we have to hold up so much on our shoulders. And it, everybody should be treated equal. And that doesn't just mean, I'm not saying that as a job or anything like that, but I believe that culturally, racially, Everything. It should be 50-50. You as an Asian, me as Caucasian, Puerto Ricans, whatever you have, everybody should be treated equal. When we bleed, we all bleed red blood. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. It's very interesting conversation. I am actually doing a lecture <laughs> on gender gap um, at the end of this month. In it's very interesting to hear from you and your perspe perspective as Caucasian men that are supposed to have every human right and privileges as a white man that because you're a man, sometimes you don't have that kind of privilege because you're not a woman. So it's very interesting to hear that aspect. And I kind of like think about gentlemen, but then if you don't behave the way that society expects you to, you're called asshole. And then when the women behave a certain way, we don't get to call gentle women because we are like supposed to be gentle or whatever. But say, for instance, when I went out on date, I paid for our dinner. I never sometimes let men pay for it because that's not how I was raised. I never feel comfortable walking in front of the men. So just, just um, give you an insight that yeah. I was 
I was dating some black man and then he was so uncomfortable. He pushed me. You have to walk in front of me or you have to walk next to me because I just couldn't do that. I just can't. It was just like, you know, cultural brainwashing that women supposed to serve. So it's extremely interesting topic that not only you talking about your uh, parenting, right? And then how women in this country have maybe so much more of the human right versus in Japan, we almost have none. And, you know, that is the reason why I came to this country because I just didn't think that I would be valued and I would be considered as a potential. So it's very interesting. I'm going to look at it like this. Don't walk in front of me because I don't like to follow. Don't walk behind me. I don't like to lead. Walk beside me and be my friend. Be my equal. You are an equal. You're not a lesser. Yeah, you came from a different country. You believe this. You believe that. But you're an equal. You're not a less than. You're not a more than. You're an equal to us. United States is a melting pot. We have all different cultures, all different religions, all different ethnicities, and we're all equal. Yeah, thank you so much for shedding a light about this topic. Let's move on to our second question, which is the tools that you use to overcome these challenges. This is one of my favorite part of the podcast because sometimes people say, hey, you're going through a hard time and you should see a therapist. And then my therapist fell asleep on me. And then my therapist um, gave very wrong advice for me and yarn. <laughs> so it's not the best sometimes, um, you know, traditional way nowadays of seeing therapists is not the only way to overcome. And then having this podcast, I've learned so much from all sorts of guests who went through so many different adversities that they used very unique techniques to overcome. So Jason, can you tell our audience, what are the tools that you use to overcome your challenges? I got a few. Um, The big one is family. I am very family oriented. We have get togethers and if we need to speak to somebody, Somebody is there to listen. So either you have somebody to speak to or write it down and give it to them. If you're not good, just write them a letter and say, hey, this is what I'm going through. Another one is nature. Get out there in nature. Go for a walk. Just sit in the park and enjoy nature. Mother nature has a way to heal. Okay, maybe you don't like to be outside, but just sit outside in your driveway. Mother Nature, God, Mother Nature, whatever you want to say, there's a a bigger thing out there than what we know. So if you don't believe in God, just get out there and be one with nature. I go camping. I go hiking. Those things really helped. And I had a really good lawyer who was a friend of mine. 
I could not do this without her. So those are the major three things that helped me. Getting outside, family, and a great lawyer to help me out. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Jason, um, let's talk about the gift that came from this adversity. So what would you say the gift that came from your adversity? The biggest gift is knowing that I can, if I can accomplish this and get by this, then I can move on and know that, look, life sucks sometimes. But there's other people out there that can help you. If you can get by this one thing, this mountain that you accomplished, you could do anything. And that's the thing. Whoever you are, you, this thing you're going through right now is not a lifelong thing. It's a blurp. You're going to get over it. Well, thank you so much. If you, before you go, if you um, think of somebody who might be going through the same life challenge um, that you went through, what is your biggest advice for them? Well, like I said, I had a podcast, or I have a podcast where I interview different guests. And we all come up with different things, you know, and different advices. My advice will be just keep compounding your accomplishments, putting one thing in front of the other, put one foot in front of the other. You're not going to go win a marathon today, tomorrow, but at least put your shoes on and walk to the end of the driveway. You know, you're not going to accomplish a marathon today, but you can do it in a year. So my suggestion is get through what you're getting through now. It might be slow and steady, but you can do it. You might need counseling. You might need a therapist. You might need somebody out there to help you. But damn it, you're going to do it. I know you can. You were put on this earth for a reason. Accomplish it. You can do it. Well, thank you very much for your advice. I mean, can I say one thing, Jerry? You came here from Japan. You came from the other side of the ocean. When you came here, you didn't know what it was like here. But you made it. You accomplished moving here. You accomplished everything like this. You have an awesome podcast. So you accomplished big things in your life. If you can accomplish that and put your mind to it and you are where you are now, these people here, around here, can do the same damn thing. Put your mind to it. You could do it. Well, thank you again, Jason. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to A Gift from Adversity. We have a lot more guests coming to our show. Stay tuned. And we'll keep the conversation. Thank you again. Thank you, Jerry.